0: 1 Timothy chapter 4. And we're only going to read just a few verses. We'll pray first, and then we'll read verses uh, verse 6 through verse number 9. Verse 6 through verse number 9. Let's pray together. Our Father, once again, we come to uh, come to you in Jesus' name and thank you for the opportunity to uh, look into your word once again. Lord, for these uh, next uh, several moments, we pray that you would help us to be attentive. Give me wisdom, Lord, and guidance uh, to know what to say, and grace and help your people to know how to receive it. And uh, Lord, we just, we need you. We need your word. Uh, We need you to help us to grow, to help us to see the dangers that are ahead, and uh, the very things you'd have us to uh, to to uh, put our energies and efforts into, spend our time on. I pray for our church, Lord. I thank you for our church and all these many years that, it, that our family has been able to be a part of it. And I thank you for what you're doing here. I pray that you continue to do uh, the work you're doing and do it greater and uh, to grow our church spiritually and numerically. I pray for your blessing upon it. Lord, I pray that you would help us each one individually to live in such a way that we, uh, we walk with you and that we uh, live in obedience to you, that we shine as lights and share the gospel. Lord, help me to be more faithful and help all of your people here, Lord. Thank you for them. Thank you for what you're doing. We pray your blessing upon this time now as we look in your word in Jesus' name. Amen. First Timothy chapter 4, verse number 6. Bible says, "If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness, for bodily exercise profiteth little." but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Tonight we're going to look at a few of these verses just kind of as a Bible study. Um, uh, of course, this uh, verse number 7, uh, I'm sorry, verse number 8 is probably, uh, probably a verse, no doubt, that you've heard. And I'll just go ahead and directly address uh, the most common way that this verse is used, of course, we, we see the word exercise and we think of what? We think of going to the gym, lifting some weights. Is there anybody here that likes to exercise? Okay, I know Eric does. He, and Eric's like, he's like, you know, timidly raising his hands. He's like, and he's everybody knows Eric likes exercise. Who else likes to exercise? Oh, yeah, James likes to exercise. Josh likes exercise. I do not like to exercise. Um, but, of course, the, the the most common way this is uh, th- this verse is interpreted is because we see the word exercise, we automatically, and this is just, listen, this is just general, this is just human nature. Whenever you read the Bible, and everyone, it's, it's true on the mission field, it's true here, whenever we read the Bible, we read the Bible with the glasses that we currently have on our face. Not, I'm not referring to literal glasses, but w- whatever glasses, that is the, The lens of understanding that we naturally wear is what we bring to the Bible. And so that's what we read into it, even if that's not exactly what it's talking about. And there are places in the Bible that refer to exercise as in, you know, working out and, you know, preparing and training. That is scriptural, but this is not one of the verses um, and the exercise here, of course, people, the, the most common, as I said, the most common way people uh, uh, quote this verse is not even so much to quote the second part of the verse, which is to exercise unto godliness, but to quote the first part of the verse and to say that we should have a workout routine because it helps our body a little. That's, in essence, what I've always heard without exception anytime this verse is quoted. We're going to try to study this verse in context and kind of get the, the hopefully, a, 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 the real meaning. <laughs> um, although, I, you know, I don't, if, you, if you want to take that meaning and that's your, that's your, your workout verse, then you, you have that. We're not going to have any problems with that. But, uh, but this word exercise, uh, let, we can't understand what we're talking about we, when, we, when we're talking about exercising. Uh, in godliness, because in in these verses, you have you have a contrast. If you read verse seven, I'll read it once again, but refuse profane and old wise fables, and exercise thyself, notice the next word, rather unto godliness. So there's a contrast between what's at the beginning of verse seven to what's at the end of verse seven. So, those profane and old wives fables and I spent a fair amount of time thinking about uh, well first of all why is it why does it say wives fables and of course we we picked up that idiom in English too you know in modern English we say you know these wives tales and refer to stories and, and ideas that are passed around I don't know why the wives have to take the fall for this does anybody want to want to venture to give a reason why the wives are taking the fall for spreading Things that aren't true, I, you know, nobody's brave enough, and I'm not either because I have no idea. But, uh, but, but you have, as I said, you have a contrast with uh, this, these tales, these fables, with godliness, with exercising in godliness. That is paying attention to those those uh, things that distract versus godliness. And furthermore, in verse number eight, you have a contrast. With there's there's basically two categories in view. You have the spiritual in verse eight, contrasted with the physical, and that's in verse number uh, eight because it says bodily exercise profiteth little. So you have the physical contrasted with the spiritual, and then you also have the eternal contrasted with the temporal. That which does not endure, that does not last, and that's found also in verse number eight, and it says, um, "Having it says, profiteth little," and then it says, "Having promise of the life which that now is, and of that which is to come," and so that's eternal. And so we're going to look at these uh, these few things. Interestingly enough, the word exercise comes uh, is is the is the word that the word it's translated from is the base of where we get the word gymnasium. So I guess there is something to that uh, to that idea that this is talking about exercise as in working out at the gym. But this kind of exercise has a little bit different of a meaning. Exercise is is that which we it means to devote to devote ourselves to employ ourselves in an effort or in a or in a a job or in a something that that takes effort and time and energy, any anything you do like that is that's what you're exercising yourself in. So when you uh, when you go to your job, you're giving time to your job. You're exercising yourself in your job. You're devoting energy. You're devoting time and effort in that pursuit for that purpose. So it's. It's a bit, the dictionary says habitual occupation or employment, not, not money employment, but the way you employ your life, the way you use your life, uh, or exertion. So, so that's what exercise means in this, in this verse. So let's read it with that context in mind. It says, but refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise. That is, devote, exert, expend your time and energy rather unto godliness. And then verse 8, for bodily exercise or exercising or expending your time and energy uh, on things pertaining to the body, or we might might stretch that a little bit further, and I think it's correct in the context, uh, in things that are physical, things that are earthly. It says, profiteth little. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. So that's what we mean by exercise. So the question I want want to ask you is this. In what matters do you and do I exercise ourselves? Because whatever we spend our time on, whatever those things in our life that we give exertion, we we expend energy. We expend time almost like they're, they're, uh, they're, what do you call those things that just slipped my mind? I had it right there and it just left. Commodities. Like our time and our energy, are, are, are especially our time, they say time is money, it's, it's almost measurable. But however much you spend, uh, whatever amount of time you spend on something or whatever amount of energy that you spend on something is to some degree a measure of the importance of that thing to you. And sometimes, you know, it's, an, it's just an inevitable, it's unavoidable. We have to go to work, we have to provide for ourselves, and it takes a certain number of hours, you, you know, to, to do that. And, and so we expend energy because we want to continue to live and we want to have, you know, our house and all those kinds of things. But in some way, what I'm trying to say is in some way, Whatever we occupy ourselves doing, whatever we employ ourselves doing or exert ourselves to do with time, with energy, with thought, with planning, with preparation, those things tell what is important to us. And those things reveal what is significant and worthwhile in our view. And so the question that we have to ask as we look at this, and this is really the the core of what these verses are saying is, what. In what matters do I exercise myself? What am I spending my time on? And is that what the Lord wants me to spend my time on? So let's, uh, let's look down just as we get into it a little bit further. As I said in verse 7, you have the word bodily. Uh, let's start in verse, verse 7. But refuse profane and old wise fables. Now, I can't possibly guess what specific thing Paul is referring to in, the, in this particular context in the first century, but I can tell you this, that it's not surprising at all, um, you know, because this is, in our, compared to us, you know, all right, let me back up a little bit further. In its day, in the first century, this society would have been considered America, okay? The Roman Empire was America. In the world, It was the most technologically advanced. They had roads and went throughout the world. But compared to our society in our day, if we, if we went back and we could just pop in there, and going back to time travel like I was talking about on Sunday, if we were just to pop into the first century, we would think, man, this is primitive. This is backward. And, you know, there's a lot of places on earth that are just like that. Cambodia is not too much different than that. There are places that are, that are, are kind of primitive like that. So it's not surprising at all when I think of how these ideas, these fables, fable, the idea meaning it's a it's a narrative, it's a fictitious narrative. It's not based. It's a story that's not founded in fact. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. But I can totally see, i can I can I can surely see how that those stories that were passed around, during, in the first century, could have been passed around and could have been could have floated around into the church, just like things are here. You know, you you know, you have the thing with COVID, and at, in this whole year and a half, how many things have passed around our our small congregation here? Ideas, or have you heard this? Have you heard that? This news said that. This news said this. This vaccine, that vaccine, side effects, and and you know who's most vulnerable, and should we do mask or no mask or you know, can you get it twice? Can you get it once? Do you get it if you've been vaccinated? All of these things, all these questions, it's, it's right up its right up to our time. And, and in the first century, you could definitely see, with, with you know, there's no access to information like that. So the way the information was passed is largely by word of mouth. There was no news. There was no newspapers. And so they passed these things along. Some of which were true, some of many of which probably weren't, and so sometimes these fables, as you see here, he says, refuse them. Don't, he says to Timothy. Paul says to Timothy, don't even entertain them. They are going to needlessly waste your time and energy. Okay. Now you come to our day. We live in the age of information. But none of us can tell if the information is true or like a fable. And what I've just described with COVID is a perfect example. You have, you have, you have parallel lines of, uh, parallel narratives of information that seem to conflict coming from ones coming from the CDC, ones coming from uh, trustworthy sources, others coming from less trustworthy sources, but trustworthy to us. And so you have these parallel lines of information and it's confusing and sometimes we think, well, we know well, well we know how to really search. I mean, we've got Google and we've got Wikipedia and we really know how to fact find. And if all else fails, we can go to Snopes, which brother Joseph knows that Snopes is the most reliable fact-checking website that there ever was. I knew he. I knew he'd laugh like that. <laughs> See, we we fancy ourselves as people that that don't. We, you know, we know the facts. We can find it out. But the truth is, ooh, we're we're hardly hardly any better. It's just we found sources that we like and believe, and those are the ones we pick, and we choose to believe those, and then we we act upon that. But really, the real truth of the matter is. There's still, it's still difficult to get truly objective, verifiable information because, of, because we're, we're, we're under overload now. So the question I have is, what that we hear on a daily basis, how much of it is real and how, how much, of it, how much is it of it isn't real? You look at the, the thing in Afghanistan. You see pictures of people on, on the, on, in the airport, and we say, well, if I'm reading, you know, if I'm watching Fox News, I know it's the truth. Or if I'm watching this, I know it's the truth, or this website, or that, you know, that's the way we view Well, I saw a picture of it. But the thing is, is we don't, we don't have the whole picture. We don't have the context. We have something that's lifted out, and it's, and it's tailored for us. So we come out of it. Here's the point I'm making. The bottom line is, we look at it. Maybe we think it's true. Maybe we think it's not. That's not the point. The point is, it's difficult to know what's fact and what's fiction and yet we spend so much of our energy exercising in those things that we really don't we really don't know for sure just like this just like this now look at hold your place here we'll come right back to it and look at second peter chapter 1 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 16. I love these verses because they ground us. They they take something that could be considered, and many do consider a fable, and bring it down to earth, bring it down to us. Here's what it says in verse 16. Follow it now. For we, 2 Peter 1.16, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables. When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Who, was, who were eyewitnesses of his majesty? Speak up. Anybody? Yes, Sir. Peter, James, and John. That's the context. But Peter's speaking, but he's referring also to James and John. In what what matter was he an eyewitness? Look at what it says. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty when, for he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That happened on, on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John were there. They heard the Father say that audibly. They saw Jesus transfigured and shining like a light. Peter, the writer of what you're reading, albeit translated into English for our benefit, he was an eyewitness of this fact. Okay? This is firsthand information. And verse 18 and this voice which which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount you see that so it's interesting he uses the word fable he says look these things however out there you it's difficult to know what's true and not true you have you have conflicting information and we spend so much time talking about it looking into it and but peter says but this these spiritual things are not fables. They are verified historical facts. How do you know? I saw it and I'm writing it down for you as a testimony. Now go back to 1 Timothy. Verse 7 says, But refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise. We're going to get to the word godliness in just a minute, but look what it says. Bodily exercise profiteth little. Bodily exercise profiteth little. This is referring to activities. This is referring to uh, uh, efforts. And employments of our time and energy that are essentially earthly and temporal in nature. They're just they're just earthly, not sinful necessarily, but earthly. When you go to work, that's an earthly activity. But it's an activities that's necessary, right? There are certain activities we do that are necessary. But this is talking about this is talking about causes. Issues and I'm applying it now. This is uh, I'm applying it to causes and issues and activities and occupations and employments that are essentially earthly and temporal in nature and have little to no bearing upon the spiritual or the eternal. Now here's the problem, he says, but that kind of employment, that that kind of that kind of exercise, that kind of time and effort expenditure, it has such a little value because it only deals with the here and the now and it doesn't deal with anything of spiritual value, of spiritual nature at all. And here's the problem. Those kinds of things have the ability to distract a Christian from what should be his or her main employment, main effort, and activity, which is things godly, and by godly I don't mean I don't mean necessarily righteous or holy. I'm not referring to the 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 uh, you know how pure something is. I'm referring to the fact that it is of God and related to God, related to spiritual things. You see, there are so many things in this world. That are distractions. That are distractions. There's things maybe not maybe they're not evil in and of themselves, and I'm not going to sit here and call them evil. Uh, but they so easily distract us and they entangle us because we we invest so much time in them. And they, listen, I'm gonna just name a few things, okay. And there's things beyond this. But there, remember, what I'm talking about is activities and efforts and, and, and issues and, and, uh, and, and uh, time expenditures and effort expenditures that are, that are essentially, if you look at them, the sum total, sum total of them is they are only temporal, they are only earthly, and they have no value whatsoever beyond that. That's bodily exercise. Look what it says. I'll, I'll give you a few, a few of these as an example. Politics. We have, to, we have to understand and recognize that politics is limited in nature. It, it has limited... Uh, once, look, once the Lord returns, none of this is going to matter. And it's not, again, it's not, that being, it's not that being interested in politics is bad. Remember, I, I said that at the beginning. But it's politics, because it's bodily exercise, it's temporal, it's earthly it has the ability to suck your energy away from what is important, right? Another one is conspiracy theories. Again, we go back to the fable, right? And, you know, one man's conspiracy theory is another man's gospel, right? But, but that's another thing. It sucks people up. And, I, I mean, I've, I, I've seen people, you've seen people, they're distracted They give no time to those things that are eternal and spiritual and godly and important and have lasting spiritual value to the Lord and to them and their spiritual walk. They have no time left because they're expending all of their energy. I'm talking about Christian people on things, on, on these theories that essentially whether right, whether wrong, whether true, whether false makes no difference. And you think about how people go... You know they go, go overboard on health things, and we've seen that. You see, and you know I want to be healthy. I try to eat healthy, but you know you even good things again, earthly things, temporal things, social media, hobbies. I mean, there's you look at social media. Just pause there for a second. Sports, but let's let's pause Let's just pause the social media. Because especially as kids get older and go into the teenage years, they spend so much time caring about that. So much time looking at it and caring about it. Expending energy and time that could easily be devoted to things that are far of far greater value. And this goes for my own kids. This goes for all kids. And if you ask my kids, my kids would tell you that we have these conversations regularly, where daddy, daddy, dad, and mom have to pull back the reins because it's it's out of control, and it's it's getting obsessive. It's it's there's no you know it's just it's too much. It's sucking away their energy from things that are godly, and so we have to try to redirect that energy to and, and redirect that. Exercise to something that is godly. But when you consider social media, I'll just park here a second. When you consider social media or you consider gaming, of course, I'm not talking about Miss Judy. You probably haven't played a game in a long time, not a video game. But I'm talking about the, for, for, for those that do. We exercise and, and we exert ourselves and things like that, but I'm going to ask you, does it have any profit beyond the here and the now. And you could even, you could even argue it doesn't even have proper here and now. But see, these are things that we exercise. We expend our time and energy on these things and it distracts us from the things that are godly. Hobbies are this way. Entertainment's this way. Social media is this way. It sucks our time away. And you know why? Because those things, those type of engagements and employments are all visible. You know, I'm thinking especially of politics and things that might be worthy causes and issues and stuff. You know, the news, those kinds of things. But those things are all in your face. They're distractions because we feel like they're more real than godly things. And so we give our time to those things because we we feel like, well, these are more important because these are more like real, you know, like real, you know. No, they're not more real. They're just in front of you. And I mentioned this on Sunday. They're just in front of you. You see them with your physical eyes. Spiritual things, however, are invisible. And the results of of spiritual exercise are not often realized immediately. And sometimes they're not realized until we meet the Lord. In heaven, so it's easy to de-emphasize those things by even by accident. And besides that, the world does a really good job at just ignoring the spirit, everything that's spiritually eternal. And so we kind of fall into the same trap. And when we do, the bodily exercise, those things that are temporal, that are physical, they suck all our energy away, and we don't devote any energy practically to exercising our, ourselves in stuff that is godly. So if we're going to make that transition, if we're going to say, okay, Lord, what am I doing with my life? How am I using my time? How am I expending my energy? What am I spending it on? It's like it says here. He says, exercise thyself in imperative. Exercise thyself rather into godliness. You're, we're going to make a, we're gonna have to turn from that. We're going to have to make a decision, a conscious, intentional decision to turn from those things, to put it down, to, to back off from it, to withdraw from it and say, okay, that's taking up way too much of my energy because it's not spiritual in nature. It's not godly. It's, it's not that it's evil, but it's just not eternal. And... I'm going to devote that time to something that is eternal. So I think it would be good for us, myself included, and I have been, to survey our lives to see what it is that is taking up our time and energy. Our time is fleeting. Our energy is limited. And once it's gone, it's gone. And then, when it's all over with, We go to heaven and we stand before Christ to give an account for what we've done in our life. So you can see why this is important. One day we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account for the time and the energy and the abilities that he's given us. And we're going to have to explain. The word account, give an account, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that he tells us all the good and bad we did. No, I used to think that. It means we tell him. So he says now, pivot away from all these things that have no eternal value to things that do have eternal value and make a choice to exercise yourself in things godly, things spiritual, things eternal. Now, to give you a definition of godliness, and we'll be close to being done here in a minute. Godliness is simply, I know people say it means like God. Actually, it just, it just means, it means of or relating to God. Things that relate to the Lord. Things that are of God. You might call them things spiritual or things divine. You have, And that's why the word profane is used. That's the opposite. Profane means something that's not of God. It's just devoid of God. It has no relationship to God. Listen, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. What are some things you can do that are godly? What are some time employments that are godly? Now there might be some in here as I read some of these things that I thought of that you think, I don't want to spend all my time doing these things. Facebook is way more fun. Watching TV is way more enjoyable. But what does that say about your heart? What does that say about your priorities and your seriousness about following the Lord and drawing close to Him? Some things I thought of, and I'm sure you can add to this, but things that would be, Considered godly. I don't mean pure and holy. What I mean is they're related to God and spiritual in nature. When you have time, when you what you want to exercise yourself into, listening to godly music, that's encouraging and uplifting, and it strengthens your Christian walk. Studying scripture. Not just reading your Bible every day. That's awesome. You should do that. I should do that. But digging into it. That's a godly expenditure of time, and it'll help you. Discussing spiritual topics with friends in the Lord. I mean, that's a profitable exercise. It encourages one another. It sharpens your own thinking in spiritual things. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, over the past, say, month, have had actually a spiritual conversation with someone outside of our church? Where you talked about the Lord. What he has done. That ought to be stuff that we talk about. Right? That ought to be stuff we talk about. It's on our lips. The Bible teaches he's listening. And he is pleased when he overhears people talking about, about him and what he's doing. Asking others to pray for things that are going on and then praying for others' needs. Sometimes, you know, it's not on the prayer list necessarily, but sometimes you hear of of something or you even go up to someone and ask them and say, Hey, is there anything I can help you pray about? I want to pray for you more. Is there anything? I do that with my friends sometimes. And then you, you expend time and energy that you could be on Facebook or watching TV on things that are godly. Serving in various capacities in the church. That takes time, effort, right? Reading godly Christian books, like biographies, devotional books, Bible study books. Those things can help you. But again, you're not going to do it by default. You've got to make a decision that I'm going to exercise myself in things godly. Being an encouragement to others in the church through service. Things I know our people in our church have done is taking meals to people. Doing repairs for other people. Those things are godly because they're acts of service in the name of the Lord. Sharing the gospel. Being present at church during church meetings. And I can, there's, there's more. There's a lot more. You know, so many of us, you know, we, over the years we've used our imagination for evil. We, we do well to use our imagination for good. And find ways we could glorify the Lord. And and I have time. Now I'm going to use it for something spiritual. Now in verse 8 it says this. It says, But godliness is profitable unto all things. The key word, all. See, bodily exercise... Occupying yourself on things earthly might be profitable a little because they profit on earth temporarily in this life. But Christians don't look at just this life, or we shouldn't. We should look beyond just this life here now. It says this, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having, and this is what that means, having promise of the life that now is, that's now, this life, and of that which is to come. I mean, there's a whole another world after this. It's permanent, everlasting, eternal. And godly, and those bodily exercises, those those employments that are that are that have no that no, they aren't spiritual in nature. They have no bearing upon spiritual life at all. They have no effect whatsoever on eternity. But godliness does. Doing, uh, employing yourself in things that are godly and spiritual in nature. They do have profit. Now here's the interesting thing I find, I find about this. Is that whereas bodily exercise only profits the here and the now, godly profits both. Godliness doesn't just profit you in eternity. It also profits you here. Now, look at, look at, we're done here for now. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to look at a few verses, and then we'll be finished. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 8. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Says this: Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are called thereunto, called that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will live, that will love life, and see good days. Now, what is that talking about? Is that talking about eternity, or is that talking about here and now? Here and now. Do you want to have a life that, that you love? Do you want to live a life that, where you have good days? Does anybody, will anybody here raise your hand and say, I don't want a good life? I'm waiting. It's funny, nobody raised their hand. Everybody wants to have a good life. Look what it says. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So if you equip yourself through godly exercise with spiritual strength that enables you to follow the Lord and obey the Lord and use your lips wisely and and seek peace and do good and all these things we read here, it benefits you now. It helps me. It helps you have a good life now. Your good life now. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Your best life now. Look at Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 1. Says this, my son, forget not my law. But let thine heart keep my commandments. Verse 2, for length of days, notice, notice this. So you have the law, the commandments. He says for length of days, that's long life, and long life and peace. That's, that's what happens in your life. Shall they add to thee? Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God. That's the eternal and man, that's the temporal. So, by the wisdom of God, you get blessed eternally and temporally. Your life is better. If you have any doubt about this, ask people who live a life of rebellion to God. It's not a fun life. Look at chapter uh, chapter three. Look at verse thirteen. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. This is not eternal. This is is right now. Look at verse 16. Length of days is in her wisdom's right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. These are temporal blessings to the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? So through exercising yourself in godly things, you get God's wisdom. And the byproduct of that is a good life. Not a life free of pain. Not a life free of suffering. But a life whereby you look back and say, that was a good life. You can't control the things that happen to you, but you can control the things that happen because of what you did. Right? The consequence. You can't have consequence if you don't do the deed. Look at chapter 4, verse 21. Or verse 20. My son, attend unto my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings, Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them. Look what it says. And health to all their flesh. I'm not saying God makes everybody healthy. But the principle here, the principle here is this wisdom, following God's command, exercising ourselves in godly things, has benefit here in in this world. But we know as well that it has benefit in the eternal as well, because there is a day when the Lord is going to reward us. Now, last verse I want you—I want to share with you—is in Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians, chapter four, and we'll be done. Now, in, say in verse number 9, uh, it says here that Paul's describing his, his uh, troubles. He says, persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed. So in the context, he talks about bearing about the dying of the Lord Jesus. He's being persecuted. And so we drop down to verse number 18. The Bible says, uh, verse 17 rather, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we look at not look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal so paul is talking about here how he he bore affliction for Christ's name and one way we do that is we keep our eyes focused on eternal and spiritual things exercising ourselves in things that are godly we see spiritual things clearly and that allows us to endure uh, uh, trouble and affliction for Christ's name with joy and with patience. But in our text in 1 Timothy chapter 4, there's there are other earthly things that are actively seeking to distract us and our energies and steal them away from things that are godly to keep us away from the spiritual and the eternal. So, again, in verse number 18 of 1 Corinthians 4, we look not at the things which are seen. The reason we give so much time to those distractions that suck our time and energy away from spiritual things is because they're seen. But as a Christian, we're to look beyond that. And we're to, think, we're to see with our, our eyes of faith at, at, the, at eternity. Because the things, it says things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen, that is, that is spiritual things, things of godliness, things of, of God and, and divi- of a divine uh, essence, are things that last forever. But we remember that just because they last forever doesn't mean it has no benefit now. It has both. So the simple question is, in what way, in what matters, are we exercising ourselves? Are we exercising ourselves in matters spiritual? Or have the temporal and the physical things distracted us and have stolen away uh, most of our time and energy so that we we don't exercise ourselves in anything godly? Lord wants us to be intentional and to and to examine and survey where our time and where our focus is. Let's pray.